0: Welcome
1: to It's Your Community with Vanessa Denha, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to It's Your Community. I'm Vanessa Denha Garmo here. Dr. Teresa Holtrup is a native of Michigan. She completed her medical school at Michigan State University, her pediatric residency at Children's Hospital of Michigan in Detroit. She's board certified in pediatrics after completing a four-year National Health Service Corps uh, commitment at a federally qualified health center in Detroit. She worked for 24 years as faculty at Children's Hospital of Michigan General Pediatric Clinic, founding and running the Catch Pediatric Mobile Team for 16 of those years, as a member of the Michigan chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, she has trained numerous practices in how to effectively screen children for developmental delays, autism, and mental health issues. She, uh, we, We're talking with her today about the United Way virtual town hall, talking about early childhood readiness. And I want you to welcome Dr. Holtrup to It's Your Community. Doctor, how are you today?
0: Thank you. Good. I'm doing well.
1: So a pleasure talking with you. Now, we know that this town hall already took place. So what did it entail, uh, Dr. Holtrup?
0: So we talked about a way of increasing language richness in the home environment through a a program called Lena Start, which is available in Detroit through... funding that has been provided to Brilliant Detroit and to Black Family Development Incorporated. And then um, we at my own organization, which is Kids Health Connections, are also beneficiaries of it. And it is, um, we know that children who grow up in language-rich environments at a very young age um, do better when they get to school. Um, they're more likely to be able to uh, with a with a well-developed vocabulary, they're more likely to be able to learn to read well and um, have success in their school career and then later on in life. So uh, that's what we
1: talked about. And And so how tell us a little bit about your organization, Kids Health Health Connection, a nonprofit organization that you were the executive and medical director for.
0: Yeah, so Kids Health Connection is what's considered to be a children's healthcare access program or a CHAP program, and we're modeled after the original CHAP program, which started in Kent County um, in, in the Grand Rapids area back in the 2000 and aughts, um, and it was part of the Great Start Collaborative Physical Health Action Subcommittee work that was went on there where um, The the goal was to improve the medical home for practices that serve Medicaid-enrolled children. Mm. They did a three-year demonstration project. They had wonderful outcomes, which showed uh, decreases in emergency room visits and hospitalizations and increase um, in preventive care services to children um, by busting barriers um, for families who are Medicaid-enrolled and presented this at a medical home conference in Lansing, uh, back in, oh, about 2010, 2009, 2010. And our our physical health action team from the Great Start Collaborative, Wayne, uh, of which I was part, um, three of us went to this conference and heard about it and said, oh, we need something like this for Wayne County. And um, then got funding from the Kellogg and Kresge Foundation. And um, that's how we got started in 2012. Uh, Um, We've been going strong since then. Our landscape looks a little bit different in Wayne Wayne County than it does in um, Kent County. And um, so we ended up working closely with um, several of our pediatric practices to say, what do you need to become a better medical home? And their focus was we need assistance with obesity. We need assistance with asthma um, services. We need help getting kids in for mental health services, and we need help getting kids in for preventive care services. So we're very programmatically oriented and we have, um, depending on funding availability, we um, provide services in all those areas. Um, My uh, interest in addressing language richness came out of work that I had done previously at Children's Hospital. We were the first institution in the state to become recipients and, and Institute Reach Out and Read, which is a program designed to improve Or or support emerging literacy in um, children six months old to five years old, Um, and Lena Start is really sort of reach out and read on steroids. Um, And so, (laughs) (laughs) if if we support emerging literacy, we know that we will have healthier children. We will have kids who are less likely to drop out of school. We'll have kids who are less likely to get involved with gangs and land in our emergency room with gunshot wounds, um, less likely to end up with teen pregnancy, etc. And so um, it really behooves us as pediatricians to pay attention to emerging literacy. And nationally, um, we have certainly done that, so, paying attention to
1: that. Yeah. Dr. Holtrup, when did the medical industry realize there was a direct correlation between improved literacy and positive health outcomes?
0: Well, I can't tell you when in general, but I I do know that the Reach Out and Read was kind of the first foray into that. And that came about in the 19, probably the late 1980s, I believe, and it was at Boston Children's Hospital. We were um, we had the opportunity to meet with the person, Dr. Barry Zuckerman from Boston, um, who came and gave grand rounds at Children's Hospital in 1994. 90, yeah, it was 1994, and um, I had an opportunity to meet with him. And he was telling him everything that I planned on doing with my pediatric mobile team, and he. Said you know we got this program and we just got funding to go national. Would you like to be one of those expansion sites? And I of course jumped at that. So,
1: so United Way for Southeast Michigan continues to connect families in our region to reliable information and helpful resources. And this is what's the word Wednesday town halls are all a part uh, part of. It's is a series they do. And they partner with experts from government education and nonprofits and others, and their 30-minute interactive conversation. So at this conversation you had recently, Dr. Holthrup, were parents engaged in the conversation? I mean, what did it look like? What was some of the feedback you got? Uh,
0: so you mean the partnership meeting that we had? Um, yeah, with like United, Way. States, yeah. United Way. Yeah. With uh-huh. United um, Way, yeah. It basically was... Um, a a town hall meeting with, um, me presenting about Lena start. And, um, and there, there were a few questions and then I presented information on how kids could get hooked up with Lena start.
1: Okay. And so in your years of practice as a uh, pediatrician, you know, did you see issues with literacy and health issues and, you know, firsthand yeah,
0: I mean it okay. affects us. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean the the, the, the thing is, it, there's it it affects so many different areas areas of your life when you uh-huh. have difficulty reading. Um, you you get handed materials, informational stuff by you know the the your doctor's office or by your uh by the the WIC program or whatever. And if you have trouble reading that, then it basically doesn't get to you. You you don't you can't yeah. access that information. Um, but it also affects your self-esteem. And if your self-esteem is affected, then that affects your your mental well-being and your if your mental well-being is affected, that affects your parenting,
1: et cetera, et cetera. yeah, very good points we're talking with. Uh, Dr. Teresa Holtrup here on it's Your Community. Recently, she was presenting at a United Way virtual town hall talking about early childhood readiness. The Lena starts, joins the United Way discussion about early childhood development and education, and a direct correlation between literacy and overall health within children. And so, when you talk about, when you mentioned earlier, Dr. Holtrup, about as early as six months. I would say so the importance of reading two children and engaging them in books as early as six months, correct? Correct.
0: Yes. Or earlier. I mean, there is no there is no hard and fast rule that you have to wait until six months before you do anything with 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 emerging literacy. Um, just talking to your child and and even at, I've seen videos of a, a dad talking to his one-month-old baby, and the baby getting all excited, <laughs> responding back, and it was uh, just beautiful. And it's it's a it's a wonderful demonstration of that back and forth, the uh-huh. conversational turn-taking. Yes, it's pre-language, but it's already conversational turn-taking that's happening. That's what builds the brain.
1: You know, it's interesting, uh, Dr. Holtrup, My daughter's 15 now, my teenager, but. I was reading to her in the womb. You know, I love books and and I love reading and writing. And so I was reading while I was pregnant uh, stories every night to her. So um, That's wonderful. I, I think it's awesome. So what are some of the issues uh, as, a, as a pediatrician that you see children facing today? You have many years of experience with in, with autism and, and obesity and other health issues, asthma. What are some of the issues children are dealing with today that parents really need to address? Oh, wow. Um, I don't even know where to start on that Was that. Question? <laughs> is that too broad of a question? <laughs> well, I mean, we still have obesity issues, you know, physical activity issues. It, it seems like, and I don't know if this is on the rise or we're just ma- making note of it, but it just seems there's more and more children on the spectrum. Um, Is that new or is that just something we're we're being able to diagnose more? My friend and I were talking about this the other day.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. And I think we're actually seeing a combination of it. Um, I will tell you, when I was in residency back in the 1980s, um, we did not um, learn a whole lot about autism at all. And I remember being out in practice and seeing... Um, at least one child that I can still remember distinctly, and this is, you know, 30 years plus years ago, uh-huh. uh, where when I saw that ch- now in retrospect, it's like, oh, my goodness, this kid has autism, there is no question about it. But the child was verbal and, and uh, had some mannerisms that in retrospect, you know, this is clearly um, autism, uh, but we didn't get any training on that. Yeah, And so that has changed. I think we do get more training about it. We're also encouraged now, I and mean, it's one of the guidelines in Bright Futures, the guide um, put out by uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics um, that that tells us what, what are the things that we should focus on from a preventive care point of view. And one of the, the guides is that we screen for autism using, um, currently we're using the modified checklist for autism in toddlers um and and we do that at 18 months and at 24 months and you just do that routinely at least you're supposed to do it routinely um Mm -hmm. and you do it at any other time when you think there might be a concern that is all stuff that has come about more or less in the last 15 years or so yeah Um, and and I still run across practices where it isn't a routine to do that now, um, more generalized developmental screening that was um, here in Michigan. We participated, um, and and when I say we, I mean the Michigan chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, of which I was a member. Uh, we ended up uh, getting a grant from the Commonwealth Foundation or Commonwealth Fund, I guess it was called, um, to um, figure out how to do a better job of doing developmental screening in practice in the practice setting because what we had been trained to do previously. Was to use a developmental screener called um, the Denver Developmental Screening Test, which was really not very conducive to the workflow of a regular pediatric practice. It required you to sit down and try and get the kid to do certain things, and it took, you know, it could take between ten to twenty minutes. Well, that's there's here's your well child visit, um, and and if the kid wasn't cooperative, then then you you t- basically got a um, you know and, uh, a screener that didn't tell you a whole lot and so it it really tended to miss a lot of children who had especially the ones that had mild to moderate delays the ones that probably would be the the most amenable to intervention
1: um, yeah, yeah.
0: And so in 2006 we participated in this um project Um, to try and figure out how to do screening that's a little bit better, and um, we're introduced to the ages and stages questionnaire, which, by the way, for any of your listeners, uh, if you have a child under age five and you live in um, Wayne, Oakland, or Macomb County, you can go to uh, the website Help Me Grow, and you can complete a developmental screener for your child online. Oh, uh, and, and that's important to know because um, we need those screeners to get parents needed to, to to make sure those screeners get done. And um and then if there is a delay, it will uh, link you automatically into the early on system if the child is less than three years of, of age and um, uh, and they'll hook you up with other intervention programs if the child is older.
1: Yeah, lately you hear kids are typically diagnosed or with on this being on the spectrum is young, you know, younger. And then I just had a friend of mine tell me her eleven-year-old son was just diagnosed with autism. I'm like, wow. I mean, it, it took that long to identify that there that was the issue. Um, so is it typically younger than five that it's really uh, identified? N- n- no.
0: I, I, well, um, it we hopefully identify younger than five because, um, the, the thing is the younger you, the child is the more likely the child is to be, uh, responsive to the intervention. It takes a whole lot more effort to, um, to get the brain rewired basically, um, through intervention, um, the older the child is. And that has to do with, um, the biology of how um, connections in the brain are formed in those very early years of life, and we can talk about that if you'd like.
1: Yeah, I, I'd been, I'm i interested to know that, how that works. Um, we're talking with Dr. Teresa Holtrup here, native of Michigan. She's completed her medical school at Michigan State University and in her pediatric residency at Children's Hospital of Michigan. We're talking about a United Way virtual town hall taking early childhood readiness through the Lena Starts program, but we've kind of ventured into other discussions, including on autism. But so go ahead, Dr. Holter, continue that on the way the brain is wired.
0: So if you take a slice of a brain uh, from a newborn and you look at it under the microscope, you will see the brain cells and you will see connections to those uh, between those brain cells. They look like little threads that that connect to each other. And those are called the synapses. And they're, they're, they're there, but there aren't a ton of them there. And if you look at a 14-year-old's brain, um, let's take the same slice of the brain, you'll see that the same number of brain cells will be there, but there's a much, much higher concentration of these brain synapses that are there. Now, I want mm-hmm. you to stop and think for a minute. What does a five- to six-year-old's brain look like in comparison? you want to take a guess?
1: More? is It would be more significant than more the- More than what? Than the, like a one-year-old? More than a one-year-old.
0: Is okay. it more than a
1: 14-year-old or less than a 14-year-old? I would think it'd be less, but then I think you're going to stop me.
0: <laughs> I am going to stop you because that's, <laughs> that's, yeah. No, what happens is that a five to six-year-old's brain has a ton more connections than a 14-year-old's brain. Oh, so okay. Wow, what happens? What happens is that through a series of um uh, predispositions either genetic or environmental stimuli etc that brain in the early years of life puts out connections like crazy Uh. and this is why young children learn a foreign language without an accent and they just pick it up you i know you would you you do Uh. not know this but my first language was not english it was german And I didn't learn English until I was in kindergarten. I was born and raised in Flint, Michigan, to an immigrant family.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I still have a memory of a time when I heard my older brothers speaking English, and I could not understand them and thinking, I'm going to learn this. I'm going to learn this. I do not remember the process of learning English, which I learned when I got to kindergarten. And it wasn't that I had any formal instruction. I just absorbed it. It had with these num- large numbers of connections in the brain in the early years of life. And then what happens is if you don't use it, you lose it. And mm. so, and, and you want some pruning to happen. You wanna strengthen those connections that really help you survive and be successful in life and get rid of the connections that you don't need.
1: That's, and, in- yeah. Yeah. That's interesting so- because my you remind me to think of my older sister. She went to kindergarten not knowing a word of English either. She knew only Aramaic. That's what my parents spoke at home. And so she did not know a word of English and and she's fluent in both today, obviously.
0: There you go. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. It isn't as if new connections can't be made later on in life. Obviously they can because otherwise rehab after a stroke or an accident would, you know, that damages the brain wouldn't work, but it does. Exactly. It's okay. just, it takes so much more effort. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 14-year-olds, when they learn a foreign language, will typically not learn it as fast, and they won't get rid of the accent, if mm-hmm. if at all.
1: Um, That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. So many years ago, for 16 years, you were running the Catch Pediatric Mobile Team. What is exactly was that, uh, Dr. Holtrup?
0: So that was a mobile team that was designed to try and reach families who, and remember, we started this before we had essentially universal in health insurance for children. Mm. This was before the the, uh, state child health insurance program came into being, which was in, I don't remember, 1996, I believe, was when it passed. And it became effective in 1998. Um, So we had families where um, uh, that oftentimes didn't receive a lot of preventive care services because the families couldn't afford it. Um, If they had a job, for example, uh, I remember we had a a mom come in and she had three boys. Um, She worked for the city of Detroit as a secretary and she had insurance for herself. But she said, I cannot afford on my, I think she was making maybe $25,000 a year at the time. Um, This was in the 1990s. Um, I cannot afford to pay for health insurance for for my kids because it would cost me $300 a month which, mm-hmm. you know, there's $3,600 of her $25,000 um, annual salary that would go just for health insurance for her kids, and she couldn't afford it, so they didn't have health insurance. And so they would come into our pediatric mobile team, um, and we would provide them with their, their preventive care services um, as necessary.
1: That's wonderful. Uh, Dr. Teresa Holtrup is who we're talking to. She was the keynote speaker at a town hall meeting through United Way talking about early childhood readiness. And Lena starts a uh, program, which really is about readiness in terms of literacy and uh, direct correlation to your health. And so, you know, we're during the holiday season, <laughs> Dr. Holtrup, What a great gift to give kids to is, you know, books and reading and put them in stocking stuffers when when you know there's a direct correlation between literacy and how overall health with children.
0: We should really talk about what the Lena Start program itself is. We
1: haven't done that yet. Okay, let's let's get into that. What exactly is that? Yeah. So
0: Lena Start builds on, um, uses a word pedometer. It's a little device that's no bigger than a small flip phone, mobile phone. Um, and it is—it rec- it's not like a regular tape recorder, but it, it, it think of it as a word pedometer. Um, a child wears it in a, a little vest pocket, um, and it re- can record up to 16 hours worth of the language environment that that child is in. Wow! Um, you can't play it back, so it's not like oh, somebody swore at the kid, and I'm going to be able to hear that. No, I can't. Um, but okay. I, it gets hooked up to a software program and the software program does an analysis and spits out a report that tells you how many words were spoken by an adult within 10 feet of the child, oh. how much conversational back and forth was there. Because that, as I said, was is what really builds the brain. Sure, sure. And then how much TV and electronic sound was there? Because that's passive, that does not build the brain. And you really, you know, kids who get parked in front of the TV it, it doesn't force them to use their brain. And it's, it's not what we encourage for good brain growth. Um, and so parents come together once a week for 10 weeks. And each week they learn different ways of increasing the language richness in their home environment. Some of which includes reading to your child. Um, but there are other ways also just talking like you're going to the grocery store. You you, you narrate what you're doing. Um, you, you talk about you know, crossing the street, um, playtime, you do use a lot of language during playtime, etc. And so they, they come back every week, they learn different ways of increasing the language richness, they bring in their little device, uh, which is then downloaded, they get the report from the week before. So over the course of 10 weeks, they can see how they are increasing the language richness in their home environment. Wow,
1: that's really incredible. So it's, how did how do people take part to participate in that? Yeah. Is
0: unfortunately, it, we only have it available itself if you're in and Highland Park um you're folded in um you can part in it too. Um we we if you're able to get to some of the sites um in Detroit um we we uh, the uh, Brilliant Detroit is the one who's kind of heading this, uh-huh. Brilliant Detroit, but it's Black Family Development Incorporated is the organization that actually runs the analysis on all these recordings. And and we at Kids Health Connection, some of my staff provide some of the group um, the training sessions, and we've been doing a special project down in 48217, one of our zip codes in Detroit, uh, where we're actually offering the program in person at a, not a Brilliant Detroit house, but at the Uh, Kemeny Recreation Center. So um, we've been um, uh, working together to try and and spread this to as many families of children less than three years of age as possible. Um, I would love it if we could offer this program in or somebody could offer this program in the out Wayne County or Macomb and uh, Oakland County areas. Um, I think that would be tremendous um but it's it's a funding issue and it's a matter of who's going to take this on and do this work
1: yeah and funding i mean funding that would be great that that's incredible and so is it is the um is the recordings analyzed and then reported back to the parents yes okay yes all right that's and and they
0: yeah and they get a sheet that tells them it it shows the comparison to the previous weeks
1: Mm. And and
0: it's really fun to watch because um what happens because if they if they hit a certain
1: milestone, they
0: get a star, and they get very competitive. Of oh, I gotta get this. <laughs> what do I do.
1: Yeah, yeah. And do they see? Do they report back um, any changes in their children or anything they like do. that? Okay, they do. Yeah, there is a
0: developmental snapshot that is that um, they complete, and that's repeated um, uh, during the course of the um, uh, the the. Um, The ten weeks. Okay. um, You know the the. I mean, parents will tell you. I we have we have one parent right now, and I've only heard this from my staff, so it's a secondhand reporting. Sure. Uh, But uh, it was a dad who participated. He kind of came along for the ride. I think mom was there too, and he was really skeptical about this thing initially. Uh And he is a real advocate now, and says, "Wow, I've just seen such a difference in how much my child is talking and." um yeah so so yeah parents really I love
1: that that's awesome lena start a school readiness program in metro detroit lena start is what we're talking about with dr holtrup here we have a couple minutes left with you and i thank you for sharing this this is pretty impressive and really incredible and thank you for sharing the autism story as well what else do you want to share with our listeners here on Itcher your community before we let you go any anything else you want to give out to them
0: Well, I would like, yes, I would like to let you know how to sign up for Lena Start. There are two ways. You can either go to the Brilliant Detroit website, um, and um, I think it's 313 Speaks, actually, and you can sign up there. I don't know that site very well, so I I hope I'm not misdirecting you. I know that on our website, which is at khcmi.org, that's kidshealthconnectionsmichigan.org, Um, If you look under what we do and you go to Lena start there's a sign up there that will take you to the general sign up with brilliant Detroit um, and uh, we'll make sure that you get into it. Um, The, the other thing I wanted to point out was there are other programs that encourage um, talking to children Uh, talking is um, talking is teaching. Um is a program that is done. I know Macomb County has it, and, and I believe Wayne County has it also. Um, all of those basically um encourage early language richness in the home. Um, that the 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 beauty of Lena Start is that the parents can actually see how they're improving.
1: That that yeah. That's, yeah, that's its strength. I, I think that's so wonderful. That's great. It definitely gives parents encouragement to continue doing what they're doing. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Holtrup, for joining us here in Itcher Community. Thank you. Again, Lena. Oh, my pleasure. Wealth of information. Lena's start is what we're talking about here with Dr. Holtrup. If any questions or contra- uh, comments you want to share with me, you can go to Epiphany Communications and Coaching and send me an email. You can go to all my social media platforms on Instagram, LinkedIn, on Twitter, and Epiphany Communications and Coaching on Facebook and private message me there as well. As always, we remind you our listeners to connect, communicate, and to collaborate. With your community. We'll catch you next time here on It's Your Community. It's Your Community, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR.